Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And now your host, she'd love to try swimming in the Dead Sea one day, but I think she's aquaphobic, Dr. Grace Lee. Hello and welcome to a, back to another episode of Career Revisionist. Today is a really interesting kind of day. It started out really normal with breakfast, right? And actually, I'm getting on a plane this afternoon, and it was weird because I was sitting at breakfast. I didn't. I, my fridge is completely empty because I don't want to keep anything perishable in the fridge while I'm away, and so I had to go out for for for, for breakfast at a, at a restaurant. So I went at this restaurant, and it's like a restaurant close to home. I walk there ten minutes, and I'm there, and I'm just eating, and I'm thinking to myself, oh wow, it feels like a normal day. But then this afternoon, I'm actually getting on a plane and I'm heading to, to Boise, Idaho. My my mentor, Russell, he's having a mastermind there. And he, this is like a private invitation. So I'm heading there for a mastermind. And it's interesting because a long time ago, uh, when I was kind of reading this article from Tony Robbins, he mentioned this term I never understood back then. And the term was standing on the shoulders of giants. And now, of course, that whole phrase has a completely new meaning to me. But at that time, I was like, I was like, I took it literally for the first time. And then eventually I thought it meant, oh, it means that you need to have mentors in your life, right? So now fast forward years later, the way I understand that phrase, standing on the shoulders of giants, it means that you're in a room full of people who are ultra successful, who are intelligent. They have powerful insights that can shift your career and they can shift your life. And so this is an honor for me. And I'm so privileged to be invited to this mastermind in Boise. But anyways, and that was what I just wanted to share. Uh, But today, my podcast episode is going to be about education. And as you know, you've been following me for a while, my career really began in academia, right? And this was like, I didn't have any breaks between my degrees, I went into a bachelor's degree right out of high school. From that, a master's degree in the UK, I went international and then moving to Canada for my PhD. And it was really just just continuously going for one degree after another without breaks right and at that time i didn't have much guidance for me it just felt like a logical progression you finish high school oh then you got to go to college because you got to get go to school to get good grades and get a better job right so i've been programmed at such an early age society i heard it from society i heard it from teachers as well and my mom might have said it to me when i was younger and you know, and as you go into college, the next degree and your master's degree, that dogma, that central dogma of go to school, get good grades, it just gets stronger and stronger. And I'm surrounded by people in during my master's and PhD, I'm surrounded by people who more or less drank the Kool-Aid, right? They would tell me that, oh, yeah, you want to do a PhD? That's awesome. And, and they're on fire about their research. And there's there have been no objections, you know, so... I didn't have mentors who challenged my decision to go into graduate school. I didn't have mentors who got me to see the other side of education and really allowed me to make a more informed decision on whether or not going the full, climbing that academic ladder was really what was going to help me to accomplish what I really wanted in my career, right? Of course, early early on, I didn't even know what I wanted in my career, but truth be told, 
it was a very it was a very long journey. I'm grateful for it, but there's been a lot of times where I was just conflicted and I didn't have direction. I didn't have clarity, and of course, doing it, I was just going through the motions, but not knowing how to not how to apply the knowledge that I was collecting. So that's what really inspired me to choose today's. Topic for the episode, and I have you know I have an hour before my taxi arrives, and I'm off to the airport. So I thought, well, I want to talk to you, and I want to record this episode. So here I am, before I board my plane. What I want to talk to you about is what you don't learn in school that's hurting your future, right? So I have I came I, I brainstormed here a little bit. You know, after breakfast, I came home and I was like, okay, I still have some time before the taxi comes. So let's talk about this. And I came up with seven things. Right? I thought really long and hard, and there are seven things that you that the school system, the education system, the formal education system is not teaching you. You don't learn these things, and it's hurting your future. Okay, so the first thing, the first thing that you don't learn in school is how to answer the question, "Who am I?" And it sounds kind of simple, doesn't it? Who am I? Well, I know who I am. I'm Grace, and I'm I and I live in Vancouver, Canada. Right? I have a PhD, and I I help professionals with their careers. Right? Those are all the things that you do, and you see in this culture, it's so easy to when someone asks you who are you, you all of a sudden give a job title, or you say your name and where you're from, or you tell people what you do. But no, that's not what they asked. They asked who are you. Right? So who you are is an identity. An identity and that which you believe to be true about yourself, your identity, whether or not you're able to vocalize it in se- to yourself, to your subconscious mind and in your soul, in your heart, you actually have a story you're telling yourself about who you are. So the question is, what is that story? How can you vocalize it? Right? And does that story, is it helpful to get you to achieve the things that you want to achieve in your professional future? Right? And is it congruent with who you want to be? Is it congruent with who you need to be in order to do the things that you need to do to achieve the success that you want? Right? So school doesn't teach you how to answer that question. It's a basic question, but it's very fundamental. Right? And instead, school teaches you on the doing. Right? How it, it teaches you that who you are is equal to what you do because that's just been the culture, the academic culture, and that carries in to the workplace as well. It carries into the job marketplace. And so that's hurting your future because a lot of times we don't take a step back to take a big picture view on who we are and we don't see the insides, the image that we are carrying through. And oftentimes that's what causes you to be stuck in your career is that you don't have an answer to this question or you have an answer that you're not aware of, but the answer, the story, the identity that you have is not helping you to achieve the success that you want. Right. So that's the first thing that you don't, that they don't teach you in school. And it's hurting your future, right? How to answer the question, who am I? The second thing that school systems do never teach you is how to develop a realistic view of the marketplace, right? Developing a realistic view of the marketplace is super, super important, right? Because this is what, this is the insight. They're key insights that you need to be successful, right? So let me give you an analogy. If you are, owner, if you are CEO of a successful business, the reason why, one of the reasons why you're successful is because you have business intelligence. In other words, you know your market really well, your industry, your marketplace, you know it so well. And you also have, because you've done the research as a CEO, you have done the recon work on your competition and you know what they're up to and you know their movements, you know, because you have a realistic view of the marketplace. And most often, 
you know, most often people have a very simplistic view of the world. Right? There's a lot of things that, that that they don't see, and the simplicity that they see that the, the simplicity of the lens through which they see the world doesn't allow them to see opportunities out there. It doesn't allow them to sit down and think about what is the next step of that I need to take in my life that is going to get me to the result that I want in my career. So having a realistic view of the marketplace will give you that lens to be able to see something or read something or intake uh, some knowledge and to be able to really truly see how that works for you. It doesn't mean that, and, and sometimes it could be it could be seemingly unrelated. Upon first glance, it looks like, okay, you're learning this thing or you heard someone say something, but it doesn't seem to be applicable to you. But if you have a realistic view of the marketplace and you're not naive about it, you know, and you, and you know that there's a lot more complexities, a lot more nuances that happen in the world, it allows you to have a lens where you can filter in the right way. Right? You can filter and you can see how that applies to you, even though at first glance, it doesn't seem like it applies or it might feel like, well, my career is different or my situation is different. That's too simplistic. Right? So school systems, unfortunately, they don't teach you how to have that complexity. They don't teach you how to, to have that complexity and to handle the chaos that is part and parcel of the marketplace. The third thing that the education doesn't teach you is how to think about second order consequences. So what do I mean by that? What are second order consequences? So we all know what consequences are, right? If you don't go to bed early, then the consequence is tomorrow you wake up tired and then at 9am the work meeting, you're falling asleep. So that is a first order consequence. But we always in, in, in everyday language in English, we just say consequence. And we usually, when you say consequence, it's almost always the first order consequence. So that means the direct result of what's going to happen if you take a certain action. If I don't go to bed early, I'm going to be tired the next morning and I won't be able to pay attention to the me- in the meeting. That's a primary consequence, the first thing that happens. Right? So the school system teaches you, like, it doesn't teach you second order consequences. So in other words, that's the first order. What about secondary consequences what other consequences will happen as a result of that first one as a result of the action that you take and the more you can go down that down that rabbit hole for lack of a better term the more you can have that insight the deeper your insight is on consequences the better your decisions because you're deciding to act on something you're deciding on whether or not you should do something or whether that is something that you ought to do and being able to think about second order consequences will allow you to make much better decisions and definitely most importantly it will allow you to make decisions that you don't end up regretting later on okay so number 4 the fourth thing that the school system does not teach you is how to turn skills into income right so when you are in college Definitely you are learning skills. No doubt about it. That's not what I'm, I'm not saying they don't teach you skills. You are learning skills. You are learning the skills that are very specific to the subject matter that you chose. So let's say, for example, you know, during my PhD, my focus was in neuroscience. And of course, as, as a PhD in neuroscience, it is largely, it is very largely research-based. So I was in a lab with chemicals, you know, I had histology, I had microscopes, and I was doing my own research, trying to answer a very important research question. Right. And so the skills that I learned in my PhD are very are are very strongly related to research. 
you know, how to design a research experiment, how to ask a very powerful research question. And that question later on down the pipeline is going to help with a certain particular group of patients. And for me, it was patients with movement disorders like ALS and Parkinson's disease. Right. So that was that those are my skills, right? They were all related to research and how to answer and how to answer important medical questions in order to figure out the solutions for them or certain treatments for disease. Right. So that those are the skills. And for you, whatever your subject matter is, whatever your major is or the concentration that you chose, your skills will be related to that concentration or to that industry, to that field. Right. However, the school, the education system is excellent at giving you that knowledge base, right? Because that's what they were designed for. And they test you based on those skills. All the exams you take and the quizzes that you have are testing you based on, okay, did you develop that knowledge yet? Right? So that knowledge is the knowledge of the skill. However, the school system, while teaching you that, and of course, they give you the, the history behind that knowledge as well. So you have all the historical knowledge, all the technical knowledge on the skill, but it does not teach you how to turn that skill into income. So what are you taught, right? So if you think about what you are taught, you're taught this knowledge. And then after graduation, it's like, congratulations, you know, we wish you well. Now, the expectation is now go and make something of your life. Go and make something of your life, you know, make us proud, make your parents proud, you know, no one says that to you, but that's the, that's the culture of it. You know, that's the expectation of it. It's the unwritten expectation. It is the cultural norm. It's the social norm of, of that academic, of that academic world. Right. And so you have this, you're equipped with this knowledge and it's like, okay, so what, what do we know? We know that you go to school, get good grades, and then you get a better paying job or you get a you you get a, a better job or the job that you want. And we know the only way we know how to do that is once we graduate, we start to apply. We start to get our resume out there. We start to we start begin the applications or we go networking or or that that type of what we call job hunting processes, right? These are all job hunting, job searching processes or job application processes. They're all the same thing. Right, they all fall under that category. So that is how that is really the blueprint. That's the only blueprint we're given on how to make an income. Is first we have to we have to land a job, and hopefully that job is one we like, and hopefully it's a, a job that we're doing something we're good at and we like it and it's fulfilling to us and it gives us some satisfaction and we're making a contribution. So we hope that that is true, but the bottom line is that we know most people know that. The only thing they know is to turn a skill into income is if they are hired at a company and then they just get paid whatever is dictated by the company. They just get paid in exchange for fulfilling on a job description, right? And that's not turning skills into an income. It's getting a job and doing what you're told. Right. So that's what I mean. That is what you don't learn in school and it's hurting your future is that how to turn your skills into an income. And it may not, and, and oftentimes you apply for something, you start a job and it turns out, oh, that's not quite what I expected, right? The job, the job description I saw was a little bit different or it, it came across a little bit different during the interview, you know, and then now I'm in this job. Oh, the reality of it is, is quite different from what I imagined, you know, but they hired me, you know, and I, and I accepted the offer and I, you know, and this is income for me right now. And so I'm, 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 I'm going to do it. And this is the conversation. This is a conversation that we that we say that we say to ourselves, and then we go into 
we go into our careers sometimes with that with that type of um, an approach, right? So then one of the most important things that you could learn is how to turn your skills into an income. So number five, the fifth thing that the school systems don't teach you is how to learn outside the classroom. The classroom setting is really, really very, very controlled. It is very, it's designed in a certain way, right? You have chairs that are lined up in a row, maybe some benches lined up in a row. And if it's in a theater, it's a slope, it's like a theater with a sloped floor. And then there's a a chalkboard or a whiteboard in the front. And that's where your professor or your teacher stands, right? And they're writing notes. And then you're like, you got this table in front of you, a tablet or a long table, and you're just taking notes. The structure is more or less the same. And the structure of the classroom has been exactly like that for decades and decades and decades and decades. Way back to the to the industrial age when school systems were first introduced in the 1950s. That was how the classroom looked. And it still looks the same way today, right? Of course, technology upgraded, now you have whiteboards or now you have computer projection screens, right? The chairs may be a bit more comfortable, like little adjustments like that along the way. But more or less, the structure is like that. And then, of course, in order for you to pass, you have to take an exam or you take a test and it tests you on, oh, well, did you remember what you were taught? You know, do you, can, you, can you solve this problem that we set out for you? And so you see that structure in the education system is like that. And that is how you learn You learn by going to class, a teacher tells you what he or she knows, and then you prove you learned it by passing an exam, you know, and the, and if you passed it way greater than 50%, it means that you learned the material very well. If you didn't, that means you didn't learn it very well. It's like black or white and they grade you, you know, A, B, C, D, E, or A, B, C, D, F, you know, and so that is how we're taught inside the classroom. And the problem with that is that it kind of it kind of programs you to feel that well that is the only way that is the only measure of intelligence. Right? A lot of students they they don't do well in school. Somehow that system of learning, that process of learning doesn't really sit with them and they they find themselves that they can't learn in the classroom or they fall asleep in the classroom or they don't test well. You've heard that, you know, or standardized test standardized testing and they just can't remember it. But when you talk to them they're able to have a conversation around that material, but somehow in the test, they just it just doesn't come across that way. And so the school system doesn't work for everyone. That type of learning doesn't work for everyone. But the reverse can also be true. Students who do excellent in the classroom, they're the ones that get the A's and it doesn't even seem like they put any effort into it, right? But outside of the classroom, outside of that, the whole, in, in the rest of the world, that learning, the way you learn outside of a classroom is so different, right? So the, te- the, the school system does not teach you how to learn if you're outside of the classroom, right? Instead of formal education, it's about the other side of that is self-education. So school systems don't teach you how to self-educate, how to take self-education and learn the skills that you need to advance your career. So number six, number six is that the school systems don't teach you how to organize knowledge. Now, organize knowledge, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that over the years when you're in formal education, really what you're doing is you're collecting data. 
the data you're collecting are the stuff that you learn in the textbook, the stuff that you learn that your professor or the teacher is telling you in the class and you're taking notes on it. Those pages of notes that you took, you know, that from the from the class or from the textbook or from assignments, all of those things are data points. The data has been organized for you in the form of chapters in the textbooks or maybe you have a lab notebook or whatever that is or a workbook that was that was printed by the university for that curriculum. It's organized in that sense, but it's organized that way based on a curriculum, based on the ease at which they can teach it to you because it builds upon previous knowledge. But it doesn't mean that that's the organization that's going to be helpful to you when you take it into the real world and you need to apply it to advance your career or to make something of your career and your life. The way you organize knowledge for yourself and for to produce something useful is going to be very important because knowledge is only useful if it is turned into invaluable wisdom. If you keep the knowledge to yourself or if it's just knowledge, if it's just another, another data point, that's not useful. And it's definitely not something that you can exchange for an income that you can turn into an income, right? So it's only useful, knowledge is only useful, it's only powerful if it can be turned into invaluable wisdom that can be used in this world to solve an important problem. And the bigger the problem you can solve with that wisdom, the more you can command an income for it, right? So the only way to do that, the only way that you can turn it into invaluable wisdom is if you can find a way to organize it in a way that is effective. If you can find a way to organize it that that organization itself lends itself to applications that can change the world or change people's lives. And unfortunately, the school system doesn't teach you how to do that. Of course, there are courses that say applied science, you know, applied engineering. It teaches how to apply the knowledge. But again, it's applying it based on the structure of that curriculum. When you go into the real world, again, it's not to have a simplistic view of the world, it's to see the complexity and the chaos that actually happens in the marketplace. And in order to make sense of that, in order to make your knowledge and applicable wisdom into that, you have to find ways to organize it in ways that can be successful. Okay, and the last point here, number seven. The seventh thing that the school does not teach you is how to manage yourself. And this is, it might come across a little unexpected. I mean, manage yourself. What do you mean manage myself, right? And so the first thing that comes to mind in terms of when I talk about managing yourself, the first thing is your emotions. Whether or not you are aware, human beings, we are emotional beings, right? The first thing we do when we decide, when we make decisions the first thing we make we we do to make decisions is we make them based on our emotions right we we come across a situation or, or an event happens in our life we have an emotional reaction to it and a lot of times our emotional reaction is actually much bigger than the situation calls for but it's so difficult not to focus on the emotion of it and if you think about anybody's buying decisions when you want to buy a product if with any if with any customer or a consumer that's about to make a purchase a large purchase or about to buy something People buy based on emotions. They buy based on emotions, right? It's, 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 it's human nature. We have a desire and that emotion, that deep-seated desire, not the one you say that you, that you desire, but the one that's in your heart, the deep-rooted desire for something is usually on an emotional basis, right? So our emotion, emotional reactions can cause us to make decisions that don't turn out the way we expect, 
you know, because we're making them based on an emotional decision. And that is based on our limbic system. That response is in our reptilian brain. You know, the amygdala, the limbic, the limbic brain, the, the reptilian brain is a primitive part. And really that part is like, that part is the one that satisfies your, your bodily urges, your, your human urges. And that one is also, the, that's also the same area of the brain that tries to protect you from perceived threats. Right? So that's why you have these, you have this urge for instant gratification because it's based on that primitive part of your brain. And so if you learn to manage yourself, you're learning to manage and take a step back and separate from your emotions a little bit and see the bigger picture of what's going on. And you get to see the truth of what's happening and the truth of what you perceive of whether or not it is actually the reality or not. And so when you learn to manage yourself, you learn to delay that gratification. Right? You learn to tap into that willpower. You learn to tap into the frontal cortex. And this is the more evolved part of the brain. Whereas the primitive part is primitive, this one is more evolved. It is where your thinking, your best abstract thinking, your deepest thinking happens in the frontal cortex, that area behind your forehead. And that is the area where you have capability of reasoning, providing rationale to your decisions. And that's a lot slower process, but it's also the one that helps you to make better decisions, especially when you manage yourself, when you learn to manage yourself. Right? So these are the seven things that the school system does not teach you that's hurting your future. Number one is how to answer the question, who am I? Right? Number two is how to develop a realistic view of the marketplace. Number three is how to think about second order consequences. Number four is how to turn skills into income. Number five is how to learn outside the classroom. Number six is how to organize your knowledge, the data points you've been collecting. And number seven is how to manage yourself, right? And so as you're listening to this, you might be thinking, well, now what do I do? What do I do? Okay, I recognize it. I've been going to school. I have been going to college. And yeah, I haven't been taught these things. So what do I do now? So if that's you and you are looking for a way to, to, Tap into these things and now you are committed and you're serious about, okay, I need to learn these things. I need to start somewhere. What do I do? Well, I have prepared something for you. If you are looking for a way, if you've been looking for a way to close that education gap, as I call it, the gap between what you learn in school and the things you need to learn to become successful in the real world, to become successful in the marketplace, then I have something for you. It's the training. It's a training that would teach you these things, these principles on how to fast track your career and fast track your life. So if, you, if you're interested, if you want to see if this is for you, then I invite you to visit careerrevisionist.com slash masterclass. Right, I'm going to put them in the show notes as well. So it's careerrevisionist.com slash masterclass. Right, so just go to that mass class, see if it's right for you. And I look forward to seeing you in the training. You know, so, you know, give yourself some time, give yourself the gift of time and attention to attend this training. You know, come with a notebook and pen, and most importantly, come with an open mind because you're going to be hearing some powerful insights in that masterclass. In that training, you're going to be hearing some powerful master, some powerful insights that are going to shift the way you think, that are going to t- t- tell you some things that you will not have heard before. Right, some strategies that I myself has u- have used to advance my own career and the same, which are the exact same strategies that I've shown hundreds of other professionals on how they could do it too. You know, so go to careerrevisionist.com slash masterclass and I'll see you on the inside.